Hello, hello. Glad to have you with us. Our quiet listener. Our quiet listener. God bless the quiet listener. Amen. God is good, pardon me, all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of God. God is good. He's so good all the time. <laughs> Though I may not understand all the plans he has for me. My life is in his hands, and through the darkest night, I can clearly see God is good. He's so good all the time. Hello, hello. Who wants to say hello? Hello. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Um, I was hoping with all this this week, it's just been overwhelming, you know, if you could speak about just how as Christians we're supposed to approach, just just approach everything that's going on, you know. Well, how are you approaching? I've been affected. I lost my, you know, basically I'm out of my job. Um, but I mean, there's yeah. so many more people that are so much worse, so much worse. So, you know, I'm, I'll be okay, but it's still, you know, um, just like, it's just a lot. It's a lot going on. So I just was hoping maybe you could, towards the end, maybe just speak a little bit how you're approaching it. Okay. Sure. No problem. Hi. Hello. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Bless you, Hi. woman. Oh, thank you. I need it. <laughs> we all need it. Hello, hello. Hello, sis. Hello. Hi, Mitch. Glad to have you. Hi, sis. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. 
Who else wants to say hello? Hello, hello. So glad to have you. Well, we have the northwest and the southeast, so we're cross country. All connected up. Gary. Yeah. Oregon. She's in Oregon. Yep. Hallelujah. Coast to coast with the Holy Ghost. That's right. <laughs> Who else wants to say hello? Anybody? All righty then. I am going to go ahead and mute your telephone, and we're going to get started. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Good evening, Saint. Welcome to our Friday night call. We are Freedom's Way Ministries, and we are thanking you for being with us tonight. This uh, teaching tonight, and know it'll bless you. So I'm going to start by prayer. I'm here, by the way. I'm Phil Burdett. I'm here with my wife, Vicki. And we're teaching tonight on the basic truth about shame and guilt. And you're going to really like this. It's going to really bless you. And it's going to bring you closer to who you are in Christ. So it will bless you. And we thank you for being with us. And, Father, we just thank you for being with us. We thank you for your word. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way tonight in this meeting. Bless the hearers abundantly in every way that they can grow in you, come more like you, and learn how to walk in your authority in this earth. So thank you, Lord, for your presence. We honor you and give you glory. We turn aside any assignment from hell that would interfere with anyone hearing what they would have come or what the Lord would speak to their hearts. We break any powers that would try to detract from that, and we say again, Holy Spirit, have your way, and bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And for anyone that has just joined us recently, um, where Freedom's Way is producing another book, this will be Chapter 6. We are presenting this material online week by week so that you will have an opportunity to put input, your your thoughts into it, if you can think of, if you, you know, as you hear this, if it brings to mind a scripture or something that might be left out or something that needs to be said, um, then, you know, you have the opportunity afterward to let us know. Um, and we'll take that under advisement when we go into our editing process. Hallelujah. So here we go. 
basic truth about shame and guilt. The enemy of our souls, the enemy of God and all things good, Satan himself, has unleashed a cadre of lies that are designed to keep us from believing the truths you have read here. This antichrist former worship leader and archangel of God busily assigns his demonic host, those members of the body of sin, to plant lies in our hearts as children. No one is immune to his devious ways, and actually many of us are more open than we know because of our ancestry or early environment. Satan's biggest weapons to control mankind include the lies of shame. Shame is perhaps the greatest identity thief on the planet. In this chapter, we want to reveal the way hell has used shame to hinder and limit us in practically every area of our lives on some level. We want to expose shame for the lie that it is, bringing it into the light of the truth of God so that every vestige of shame can be forever removed from our hearts and our lives. Thank you, Lord. Our identity, our true identity, not who we think we are, but who God created us to be, has been affected by shame to a greater or lesser degree for all our lives. And it's time and embrace the glory of God. In many ways, we have agreed with the enemy of our souls, and the Lord makes an appeal to us to stop in Psalm 4 and verse 2. Oh, you sons of men, how long? Will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. God points out here that we who are created and meant to be God's glory in the earth have agreed with hell and allowed the glory of God to be smothered by shame because we love and follow worthless opinions and seek out the lies of the world. He shows us that we have a choice, that we have a choice to give up our agreement with hell, turn our love back toward him, and reject the lie of the devil. How long are you going to allow this to go on, asks the Lord. Are you going to continue to believe worthless opinions and lap up lies? Unfortunately, without an understanding of who the thief is and how the thief operates, we will do exactly that. Until you gain the knowledge and accept the knowledge and apply the knowledge you're about to read, you're going to be stuck in an endless cycle of allowing the spirit of the world and the lies of hell to define you. Hope is in your hands right now. In this book, you're holding truth that will set you on your way to recognizing and overcoming the lies you received as children, lies you believe and have been living. Once you make the decision to accept and apply the truth of your identity and release all false identity back to hell, you can then become the shining expression 
of God's glory, which you were created to be. What you're about to learn will bring about a deep healing that we all need to experience in order to be the complete overcomers which God created us to be. Let's first get an understanding of what shame is and what it isn't and how shame is controlling us in some way. Later on in this book, we will see God's answer of healing from shame in a more, what do I want to say there? In a more complete way, in a deeper way, more thoroughly. How about that? Okay. Thank you for that little. Thank you for your grace, folks. Okay. For an initial and more clear understanding, let's define shame. Shame is not guilt, although many people, both within the church and outside the church, combine these two or use these words interchangeably. Shame is not guilt. Guilt is a feeling we have when we know we've done something wrong. We feel guilty. Shame brings condemnation. Guilt brings conviction. Feeling guilty should bring Holy Spirit conviction into our hearts and turn us to God in repentance. Unfortunately, this turning to God doesn't always happen, and shame is often the reason as to why it doesn't. Shame doesn't want us or our sin to be exposed. While guilt is what we feel when we've done something wrong, shame is a feeling of being something wrong. It's an inner feeling that there's something wrong with me. Not I did something wrong, but rather I am something wrong. Hell isn't fair. At some time in our childhood, or maybe even in the womb, we were shamed. Reproach and disgrace were brought into our spirits through some lie from hell against which we had no defense of truth. Then, by the time we were exposed to truth, the lie was so entrenched that many of us have become one with it. No one told us shame is not part of us, that it isn't a normal emotion or a way of life. We weren't taught how to recognize or separate ourselves from shame. On the contrary, the church told us Jesus was shamed and we would suffer shame too because it makes us good Christians. Satan joined the church in the first century, bringing the religious, self-righteous, judgmental spirit of the Pharisees to sit right alongside us in the pews and speak from the pulpit to keep us in bondage to shame. Many times, leaders in the body of Christ have been used by the devil without their full knowledge to cause you to feel that you are a lesser being, that there is something wrong with you. You may have been verbally abused and belittled. You may have been shunned and humiliated or otherwise made to suffer spiritual abuse. Right now, I appeal to you 
to forgive every religious person who shamed you in any way and to release them into the hand of God. I ask that you forgive them and release them now so that the shame they brought into your life can be rooted out and burned in the consuming fire of the living God. The church is just one of the many places where shame is alive and well. Our families are another, and perhaps in our workplaces or social circles as well. It seems impossible to get away from shame. That's because the shame is in us, and wherever we go, it comes along. As you gain understanding, you will begin to recognize different sources of shame, dig them up, and remove them through repentance and forgiveness. In practically all our lives, we've seen and or experienced shame in the church, shame in the family, shame in the culture, and in the generations, and all kinds of situations, circumstances, and people who were used by this thief. Remember, guilt is a feeling of, I made a mistake, I messed up, while shame is a feeling of, I am a mistake. I'm a messed up mess up. This thinking puts us into a self-focused mindset that magnifies everything about us through a warped looking glass and twists our thinking. If any behavior or appearance on our part seems inappropriate, wrong, or embarrassing, then the thought patterns flow immediately into a river of shame. There's something wrong with me and everybody knows it. I deserve this whatever bad thing might be happening because I'm so bad. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Shame makes us unable to receive compliments or love or acceptance. Here's a good definition of shame, a disturbed or painful feeling of blameworthiness, incompetence, or indecency. Let me say it again. Here's a good definition of shame, a disturbed or painful feeling of blameworthiness, incompetence, or indecency. Once shame is established in us, then it becomes strengthened by guilt. When we actually mess up and do something wrong, we feel guilty about it, and shame takes occasion of guilt to reinforce its control of the lie from hell, which has three primary categories. The first category is the lie that we are worthy of punishment, and this lie keeps us from repenting. Number two, the lie that we're incompetent and inadequate. And this lie keeps us from receiving compliments, acceptance, and love. And number three, the lie that we are indecent and disgraceful. And this lie keeps us from receiving the love of God and people and turns us into bitter balls of self-hatred and rejection. Shame is a lie based on a lie which we believe about ourselves or God and which settles into our spirit then the devil works to create situations and circumstances in our lives to reinforce the lie he has planted. 
When we merge the lie we believe with the circumstances of the world, it can make us unwilling to believe God's word and what he says about us and others. Shame causes us to reject God's love and forgiveness based on feelings of personal unworthiness. People who say, I can't forgive myself, or it's hard for me to forgive myself, are usually shame-based individuals. If that's you, do not allow the feeling of shame to take you further into the pit of self-pity and self-abasement. Now feeling ashamed that that's you. Rejoice that you are at last discovering the truth that makes you free. And one of your deepest root issue fears is about to be uprooted. Shame prevents us from being vulnerable because it tells us we can't appear weak. And without vulnerability, we can't be healed. Therefore, shame prevents our healing, especially emotional healing. We believe on some level that we're not worth anything, that no one wants or loves us, that we have no purpose, that we should never have been born, and so forth. Allow me to share a vision and revelation God gave me one day about vulnerability. I was deep in worship one morning, and I had my hands sort of cupped together. I was lifting myself and my life to the Lord. As I lifted my hands, I saw myself standing in his hands, and I began to shrink. I got smaller and smaller and smaller until I fell down between his hands, and then I was scrambling up to stand in one of his massive hands. As I continued to shrink, I became so tiny that I disappeared into a pore in his skin. I was completely consumed. There was no more me, only him. It was at that point that I heard the Lord say to me, there's a tender vulnerability in love. I questioned him in my mind as if to say, please explain, I need to understand what you're telling me. He then gave me a vision. I clearly saw God the Father, creator of the universe and all things in it, pouring himself into the womb of Mary. And I realized that of all created beings, the most vulnerable of them all is a human babe in the womb. Anything could have happened. Abortion didn't start with us, you know. Mary could have decided, this is too tough. I can't have this baby. Everyone's going to judge me. Joseph could have decided not to listen to the angel or to heed the dream from God. He could have put Mary away or even had her stoned. Even after a child is born... That baby cannot survive without help. Many creatures in the wild are born, get up, and walk away. Even turtles break through their shells and head for the sea. But a human baby has to be nurtured 
cared for, and protected. Then as a child grows, it has to be taught. Think of it. Even Jesus Christ had to grow up. He had to learn who he is, just as we have to learn who we are. When Jesus stayed behind after his parents left Jerusalem, he was busy learning who he is. In Luke 2, verse 46, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. The word tells us Jesus did not come into the world having all wisdom. If that were the case, he wouldn't have had to learn anything. As Jesus grew up, he gained more and more wisdom and even more favor with God. Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. All this was brought into my mind during this amazing time of worship to the Lord. And I realized that the pattern of Jesus' life didn't start with his ministry. It started in the womb of Mary. It started with vulnerability. God Almighty, creator of the universe and all things in it, made himself vulnerable to his own creation. That is our pattern for life and living, to know the tender vulnerability in love. No wonder shame works so diligently to hide us and to hinder us from honest emotions, to cause us to fear being hurt, Does love hurt? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Shame shame binds itself to other evil spirits, which a lot of mental health people call emotional defense mechanisms or some other such psychological semantics. We all need to realize and admit that demons are demons, And if it makes you feel better to call them hindrances or limitations or mental problems or chemical imbalances or influences from hell, then fine. But that as long as you believe it's just you and that it's just part of who you are or you accept it as a mental or physical issue, you have to live with it. Then you will not be able to separate yourself from it. What we believe and speak, we will experience. I believe, therefore have I spoken, I was greatly afflicted, Psalm 116 and 10. Shame and its buddies work in our emotions, which is one reason why people think it's just me. God gave us emotions so that we can relate to him and to each other in godly ways. Emotions are not bad, but unfortunately most emotions are not emotions at all. They are evil spirits acting out their nasty natures and deceiving us into more shame. 
When we deny or repress our true emotions, then shame has a heyday. And here's what I mean. Let's say that as a child you had a special doll or a toy fort fire truck or something that really meant a lot to you. And in the overall scheme of things, it wasn't worth much. But to you, it was a treasure. A neighbor kid or your big sister or brother took your treasure and destroyed it. How did that make you feel? You were hurt, angry, disappointed, and brokenhearted. Those are real emotions. You cried and went running to mom, but instead of understanding the pain you were feeling, she shamed you. She might have said something like, for goodness sake, it's only a toy. Don't be such a crybaby. And you were made to feel that there was something wrong with you because you hurt inside. What happens in the spirit when this type of situation comes about is that shame comes in and begins to repress godly emotions so that you become unable to grieve when you're in pain over a loss and you lose touch with yourself and others. Disassociative behaviors begin to pattern themselves in your thinking. And the truth is that we should all be able to grieve and not feel ashamed. Shame masks true emotions and causes us to try to become what we think other people want or need us to be. We give up our true identity to be molded by the opinions of others rather than God. Big boys don't cry. Or if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Forgive us, Lord. Shame can also come in and repress good emotions, such as joy in a personal or corporate victory. One of the biblical examples of shame stealing joy is when the nation of Israel wrought a great victory against her enemies, but King David was in such ungodly grief that the people felt they could not express their jubilation in the victory. You'll find this in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 2 and 3. And the victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard say that day how the king was grieved for his son. And the people got them by stealth that day into the city, as people being ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. When emotions are repressed, fear also comes because we become afraid we won't be able to hold it in and our true feelings will break out. We fear being out of control, losing control, being exposed or vulnerable, and any of that would cause us more shame. This takes us into self-rejection and self-hatred low or no self-esteem, chronic unhappiness, and depression. Perhaps you are beginning to understand what a thief and destroyer you are dealing with. Shame causes us to be totally self-focused. As we go about our lives trying to hide our shame, so that no one discovers how bad we really are. Some people hide shame 
behind a prideful or arrogant exterior. And this only brings on more shame. Proverbs 11.2 When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Some people hide shame behind independence and self-reliance, making it impossible to ask anyone for help when they need it. Sometimes we can be moving in self-reliance even while we're giving lip service to God. This is really just another face of pride, and it piles on more shame. For I was ashamed to require of the, this is uh, Ezra, I'm sorry, 822. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. Again, Ezra 8.22. Some people wall off their hearts and hide behind boundaries that we create to keep others at a distance so we can't be touched and we won't feel their pain either. We're afraid we'll be found out, and that keeps us always focused on ourselves, our problems, our thoughts, our lives, our everything. Let me tell you, it is impossible to see God's plan for your life when you have a self-focused mindset. In addition to a self-focused mindset, there are some emotional indicators that shame has captured our thought life and is controlling us in some way. As long as shame is in place, our healing and deliverance will only be superficial, incomplete, or temporary because shame is at the root of many of our issues. Shame can cause automatic, ungodly responses to people and situations. It can also cause you to vacillate between neurotic behavior and character disorder caused by the functionally automatic responses of being shame-bound. Neurotic behavior exhibits itself in the automatic assumption that we are at fault whenever there's a conflict. And character disorder automatically assumes the conflict is always someone else's fault. There's no balance in the inability to assess a situation with an objective eye for true personal accountability. Balance is a key to godly living. Here are a few of those indicators, the functionally automatic responses of being shame-bound. Anger is an indicator of shame. But we're not talking about normal anger here, but anger that expresses itself in violent emotional outbursts and overreactions, even a sort of uncontrollable rage. Oddly, there seldom seems to be a known or apparent reason for the anger. We explode on people with little or no provocation. Anger is more often than not an automatic response 
when things don't go our way. This is common with shame-bound people because the fear of shame causes us to repress normal anger, and it's always pent up and just under the surface. Sarcasm is also an indicator of shame. Sarcasm is a destroyer that wounds the spirit. When sarcasm is prevalent in conversations, Shame is almost always the motivator behind it. People who continually keep striking back at their families and those they love are tied to shame. Another prevalent indicator of shame is self-hatred. The forms of self-hatred are many and varied, but a common one is self-rejection. One of the most common expressions of self-rejection is our hating the way we look. My nose is too big. My eyes are the wrong color. My hair is too curly or too straight or my ears stick out. I'm too fat. I'm too thin, whatever. Self-hatred and rejecting your body can take you into bulimia or anorexia or death wishes or risky behaviors and all sorts of ungodly stuff. And the sad part is changing your looks will not cause you to accept yourself. No change in your appearance, no matter how radical, will make you happy with you. The next indicator of being shame-bound is a victim mentality. This is poor me thinking. Nobody has it as bad as I do. Nobody understands me. Nobody loves me. Nobody helps me. No one wants to be my friend. I'm always the last one picked for the team. And so on. There are people in our lives, and we all know them, who live in this kind of thinking. If you've been busy inviting people to your pity parties, you need to stop. Nobody wants to come. You may have heard the expression, misery loves company, and it is a truism. Miserable people want to bring others down with them into victim thinking. Victim mentality never sees a way out. Doom and gloom prevail. And even when the victim is offered a helping hand, they will have a reason why the solution won't work. Is this you? When things go wrong, do you wallow in the failure or mistake? A person with victim mentality usually has an evil eye also and can only see the negative in everything. I already tried that. That won't work because... Victims want you in the pit with them, and victims are bound in shame. Even biblical answers are rejected, so God can't help either. Warped thinking is another indicator of shame. For example, when rejection comes, and all of us have had the oppor- or have the opportunity to be rejected every day, 
twisted thinking exaggerates the rejection to epic proportion. It causes us to believe no one likes us and can even set up paranoia. Chain-bound people seldom see circumstances clearly, and their warped, twisted thinking is transferred toward God in accusation. What did I do to deserve this, God? This person has a warped perception about how life is and their place in it, and a warped view of God and of themselves. Shame-bound people also experience a lack of vision. Most people with shame live their lives without much direction. They blame events and people in their past for having no forward progress in their lives. Shame makes us forget the scriptures that tell us we have a future and that God has a plan and purpose for us. It also causes us to be unwilling to remove the distorted glasses that cloud our vision. People with a lack of vision usually just go through life's motions as they sit around and wait to die. How sad. Hopelessness is another indicator of shame. This usually stems from the belief that we are no longer or perhaps have never been useful to God. Shame convinces us that we have sinned too much or too badly to be used, to be forgiven or loved by God. Shame-bound people also often believe they're marked for punishment. God's correction is viewed as punishment rather than guidance towards success. And God is thought of as a punishing God. At the same time, the shame-bound person both expects and believes they deserve punishment. This denies the cross of our Lord Jesus and the love of our Father God and the power of his Holy Spirit altogether. Any of these indicators, anger, sarcasm, self-hatred, victim mentality, twisted thinking, lack of vision, hopelessness, or believing your mark for punishment, tell us shame has captured our thinking. Until we realize truth and begin to think differently, we will never act differently. Remember what you read earlier? When we, were, when we merge the lives of hell with our own life experiences, it can create in us an unwillingness to believe what God says about us. It is truth that we know which makes us free. The truth is that Jesus was shamed so that you and I could be free of shame and walk in his glory. He made the way for that divine exchange to be made in our lives. And now we have to begin to make it. Hallelujah. It is truth that makes us free. Truth is not simply a thing to believe. It is a person to know. Here's the first essential truth to overcoming shame. God formed each and every one of us, and he made us in his likeness. 
God is not ugly, trashy, stupid, no good, or a liar. We are made in God's image. That makes us lovely, lovable, beautiful, passionate, wise, gifted, and desirable. That is an essential truth. It is a truth that will make you free. Many of the things that happened to you as a child were not in God's plan for you. You've been shamed by your parents, your friends, leaders in the church, your teachers, and others. Open your heart now to understand and receive truth, to truly get to know the truth, our Lord Jesus Christ. When we know who he is, then we know who we are and begin to walk out of the shame in our past and into his glory. As the Holy Spirit brings to your mind different situations and people, then forgive the people and deal with the shame as the thief that it is. Do not allow shame to steal your true identity any longer. Make yourself vulnerable to God and others, striking a deadly blow to shame as you trust God to free you from fear and shame and release you into love and glory. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. I am going to invite you all to pray this prayer. These prayers will be in the book at the end of each chapter. There will be a prayer. So I invite you to pray with me. Father God. Father God. I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you for giving me insight into shame. And I thank you for giving me insight into shame. So that I can identify it. So that I can identify it. And begin to remove myself from it. And begin to remove myself from it. Lord, your word says. Lord, your word says. I am to come out from the unclean thing. I am to come out from the unclean thing. And I can see. I can see. Shame is an unclean thing. Shame is an unclean thing. That has bound me in many areas of my life. Has bound me in, in many areas in my life. I want to be free of shame, Father. I want to be free of shame, Father. And I can't do that without you. I can't do that without you. Lord, I choose right now. Lord, I choose right now. To forgive my mother and my father. To forgive my mother and my father. For all the times they shamed me. All the times they shamed me. And made me feel worthless. Made me feel worthless. And unloved. And unloved. I forgive all my ancestors. I forgive all my ancestors. For opening the door to shame. For opening the door to shame. And for establishing a pattern of shame in our family. And for establishing a pattern of shame in our family. I forgive and release. I forgive and release. All my ancestors. All my ancestors. My parents. My parents. My brothers and sisters. My brothers and sisters. Pastors and leaders in the church. Pastors and leaders in the church. Teachers and classmates. 
teachers and classmates. Bosses and co-workers. Bosses and co-workers. And all others. And all others. Who brought shame into my life, Lord. Who brought shame into my life, Lord. And I release them into your hand. And I release them into your hand. I forgive them for their words. I forgive them for their words. Their actions and attitudes. Their actions and attitudes. That shamed me. Shamed me. And opened the door for anger. And opened the door for anger. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. And self-hatred. And self-hatred. To work in my life. To work in my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. For allowing the opinions. For allowing the opinions. And the words of others. And the words of others. To hide your truth. To hide your truth. That I am perfectly created in your image. That I am perfectly created in your image. And I forgive myself. And I forgive myself. For having done that. For having done that. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. For any time I brought shame. For any time I brought shame. Into another person's life. For another person's life. And I forgive myself. I forgive myself. For having done that. Having done that. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. For participating with anger. For participating with anger. Sarcasm and self-hatred. Sarcasm and self-hatred. Forgive me for allowing my thoughts to carry me into a victim mentality. Carrying me into a victim mentality. To carry me into a victim mentality. Warped thinking. Warped thinking. And hopelessness. And I realize, realize those conditions, those conditions are not a part of who I am. Not a part of who I am. And I renounce them now. I renounce them now. I ask you to forgive me, Father. I ask you to forgive me, Father. For allowing shame to rob me. Allowing shame to rob me. Of vision and truth. Of vision and truth. And I ask. And I ask. That vision and truth be restored. I ask that vision and truth be restored. In me. Forgive me, Lord. Give me, Lord. For receiving the lie of hell. Giving the lie of hell. That there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Forgive me for believing that lie. Forgive me for believing that lie. And for living it. Living. I receive your forgiveness, Father. I receive your forgiveness, Father. And I forgive myself. Forgive myself. Lord, I ask that by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that by your Holy Spirit. You begin to show me. You begin to show me. Situations of my past where shame came in. Situations of my past where shame came in. So that I can forgive the persons. I can forgive the person who were used to bring it. Who were used to bring it. I pledge to bring each and every situation. I pledge to bring each and every situation before you, Father. Before you, Father. And to receive your truth. And to receive your truth. So that the lies can be dispelled. So that the lies can be dispelled. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For your sacrifice. 
for your sacrifice. Which enables me to receive truth. Which enables me to receive truth. Truth that frees me from shame. Truth that frees me from shame. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry that uh, we dropped the call, but um, we'll start back with that daily affirmation. Yeah. I'm focused on what I don't have and what I can't do. God has nothing to work with. I must bring him what I do have and what I can do, and he will multiply. God prospers me. I do not prosper me. He takes care of my needs for no other reason than he loves me. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh, which means God will see to it. So whatever I need, I can be sure God will supply it because that is who he is. What do I have and what can I do? I will bring God myself and give him my life daily in praise and worship. I will recognize him and exalt him and speak his word and not the word of the world. I have a voice to worship with, to sing with, to encourage others with. I have a mind with which I can choose to agree with God and what he says about me and others. I have a will that I can use to stand against the assignment of the enemy who tries to define my identity and a will to resolve that only the Lord Jesus Christ has the authority to define my identity. My identity is not in what I can do. It is in what he can do through me. Hallelujah. So if anybody has um, a comment or a question about tonight's chapter, please push your star six keys 
so that we can hear you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I feel like you could write a whole book on that chapter. (laughs) For me, you can. (laughs) And and I, you know, I I would like the word I would have used where you where you were thinking about what word to use. It came right instantly. uh, A deeper uh, revelation or a revelatory or a word including that because of the depth that can always happen. Um, okay. That's, that's the one thing. And then um, I wanted to know the the proverb and the Psalm 116 verse. Was it Psalm 116? And then also your, your the phone completely stopped after your prayer. I don't know whether you guys were still there, but I called back in and then Phil was talking. So I don't know what I missed. So I would really... I really want to have that number, please, tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, if you call in in the morning line, it's the same number that you call for our night line. Or, um, I know. Yeah. I know that. So, um, I, what do you mean? I mean, I think what I'm saying is I'd like to hear the recording oh, of, oh, oh. of this Okay. And and actually, the ones that I've missed, I really would like to go back to. So maybe I can uh, work that out with sure. you tomorrow okay. or something. Okay. Yeah, I can Thank I can text so you those, and I can give you the playback access for Monday night. Um, yeah. And anybody oh, that yeah. wants that, okay. um, the dial-in That's number you all know is one digit different. It ends right. in two zero nine three rather than 2090. And then the access code for this teaching, Monday night, is 329167. So you can listen to it again. Oh, um, thank you. Psalm, I, 1, I just... Psalm no. 116, verse 10. Verse 10, that's what it was. And then yeah. Psalm, and Proverbs. That proverb, um, boy, that proverb just pierced me. It was good. <laughs> which which proverb was it? Cause I don't know. I I, the one when pride, when, when pride comes, then comes shame? Yes. That's Proverbs 11.2. 11.2. And then there was something else that you said that was kind of, I don't know whether it's something in me, but it set me off kind of putting God in the same sentence with uh, God's not ugly, not this, not that. And I went, oh, that just gives me a grief. How about, is there any way to put it in a way that when we think we're ugly, remember, we were created in his image. Is he that way? No. Or something like that. You know what I mean? That song, uh, David Crowder's, you make everything beautiful. You make everything beautiful. You make everything beautiful. And I am yours. So what does that make me? I, I, you know what I mean? I just was, that just caught me for a second, and I went, "Well, that could be something in me I need to do." But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for you. God bless you, Carrie. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Phil. Who else? Who else has something? Thank you. Great input. Yeah, I I um, made several notes on my notes here. 
as we went in tonight. So this chapter, when the when you get the book in your hand, it's going to be a little different. I mean, it won't be different, but it'll be expanded. So that's a good thing. Hallelujah. Yes, and we should have a, book, well, a little booklet. I think there should be a little booklet of this one. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, do. I really do. I'm going to share it with so many people. Thank you. Yeah, I'm great. Okay, well, let me write that note down. Booklet for this. For this. Okay. I'm going to put a question mark there, though. That depends. Okay. All right. Um, while I'm awaiting in the next person, I guess uh, at least I had asked that I address this situation, this current situation um, in the country. And this is what I have to say about that. There, as Christians, we need to be, first of all, unafraid. Because uh, of several reasons. One is the, this is not a super deadly disease. The regular flu is is far more deadly. The thing that will cause the destruction, if it continues, is the people who are overusing um, masks, medical supplies, ventilators, so that the ones who really, truly need them desperately are not going to have it available because of the hysteria and the whatever, whatever. So, you know, um, we need to understand that none of this It's going away quickly because the wheels are in motion to keep people in bondage to the fear and to the hysteria. I have not changed my life, nor do I intend to. So, take that for what it's worth. I also believe in my heart of hearts that this, uh, the, the media frenzy and all the things that are happening in that regard are politically motivated to ruin the economy because that is our president's strongest uh, gift is that business mind that has that has so taken our country into 
where it needs to be economically. And this is just really, they want to get everything they can out of it to ruin as many people's pocketbooks as they can possibly do so that by the election, the mass of America doesn't remember how good they had it. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our health care professionals that are on the front lines. Um, and pray that the truth comes forth because it always will anyway, but we need it to come out quickly. We don't need it to hang around for another three weeks or a month because there is no one that is unaffected. So be uh, be a strong Christian in this. Lead people to the Lord. He is our source. He is our provision, and he is not going to let you go homeless or hungry. I just wanted to add that nobody's really praying for us to pray for the leaders and pray for this and that, but I think we need to pray for regular people that are losing their jobs, their livelihoods, and all of this over this, I believe, trumped up, the wrong word, but, you know, created scenario. Frenzy. You know, and so there's many, like, I, I just go into these restaurants, and these poor waitresses, most of them aren't even there, and the ones that are there, are, you know, there's no customers, and they're not, you know, how do they, are they going to support themselves? How are your regular wage worker, your, your, uh, your con, well, the construction workers mostly are still working, but, you know, there's so many people in so many areas that have lost their income and are struggling with this. Uh, so I think they need prayer and be held up in prayer and and trust. Let's trust God that we're going to have a victory here, and this is going to turn out for in a very good way, and it's going to backfire on whoever pum, uh, pummelgating is. I'm trying to get the right word. This this <laughs> yeah this this uh, this scenario, which is. Uh, like Vicky says, this thing is not really, I mean, for the average person, you know, I, I've understood that children hardly show any signs of this virus when they catch it. It can go through your body and, and, not, and you don't ever have a symptom. So, I mean, it's an ugly thing. Um, it's bringing to light some horrors that exist in the world, especially in Asia. I think a lot of that's being revealed, and God's using that to reveal that, to bring that to an end. We just have to trust God and be that light in a dark place. And this is a time, like, when, when the when the towers came down, that people are looking for answers, for truth. And this is the time for truth to break through, break through in all our lives. So let people know the source of your hope. Hallelujah. Serve you, King. Amen. And I also want to add here, you know, um, when Phil and I go out into a restaurant that is still open, and so many of them are only doing takeout or drive-through or whatever, 
but um, or closed down altogether. But when we do find one that is open, and he is absolutely correct. I mean, you know, from the moment you walk in the door, you can see the gratitude on people's faces. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much. So, you know, if you are able to, you know, to to patronize the businesses that are open, please do so. So, anybody else got something to say tonight uh, about the teaching? I don't want to get too far off into Corona and who did this and who did that and, you know, what's it going to come to and all that stuff because it's all speculation. We're not going to project any fear into the future. We are going to live in today depending on our Lord and on each other. We were designed to be dependent on God and interdependent with each other. Star six, if you got something to say. Hi, this is Claudia. I'm so glad I listened again. Uh, it was wonderful. Thank you, dear. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the book. <laughs> I know, me too. I can't wait to get it in my hand. Uh, yeah. No. Oh wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Yeah, next week we're going to go into um, some spiritual deceptions that uh, have hindered and prevented us. So that's going to be interesting. Sounds good to me. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Vicki, do you, are you, um, your email address is, um, same as it used to be long ago, the Smith one? Um, it is and it isn't because I, I very, very seldom <laughs> check any email. Oh, if you can okay. email me something, text me first and let me know so that I'll look at it. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I, maybe I could just text it. i make it. I just um, wanted to share something, and I didn't know how to do that with you, so... Um, okay, yeah. yeah. Email, I, I started getting so many emails that I just really quit looking at them because it was taking me too me long too. to get through. Me you too, know, so. 200, 200 spams every day. I can't do it either. I, I totally understand. Well, it wasn't I, even, yeah, they weren't even all spam, but, you know, when you're oh. getting four, 500 emails a day, Oh. You just say, no, I don't think so. I don't want to look at this. I don't want to look at that. I'm just, you know. Yep. So now I just yep. tell people, hey, call me, text me. Yep. yep. Whatever. That's me. But... 
Okay. I love you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Carrie. Are we going to pray out, though? Are we praying out? Oh, yeah. Tonight, we're, going to, we're going to pray out. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Oh, we have, we have to have our blessing. We have to have our blessing. Anybody else? Before uh, we say goodnight. Hallelujah. Hey, it's Gretchen. I know you just keep waiting for somebody. I guess it was me. That was it. Well, that's great because I love you and I love everyone on the line. And we all love the Lord. And so we're all in it together. Amen. Amen, sister. And I am so glad you're here and I'm so glad you said hello. Thank you, brother and sister. God bless you guys. Thank you, Mitch. Love all y'all. Bless you. Let me see if I can uh, find uh, Priest of Freedom's Way. There he is. <laughs> I want to say one. Yeah, you're going to pray us into the... More quick thing about... Uh, about I don't want us to poo-poo the virus entirely. Um, I do think that everybody should take sanitary precautions as just a way of life. Okay. And it's just the way we need to live, clean as possible, our hands washed, things like that. And just the basic simple things that prevent everything. So God bless you all. I hope that's helped some. Keep the faith. You know, there was a thing about contending for faith, and we have to contend for our faith. We have to, you know, the the, the Bible says that the kingdom of of, of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. So we have to have some forcefulness in us. And and to, to stand firm and not be blown about by every wind of doctrine that comes along and, you know, fear or whatever. Just, we have to put it into the microscope, into the into the magnifying glass of God's I and say, God, is this something I should be concerned about? Hallelujah. So, Lord, I just thank you for your teaching tonight. This is such a vital thing. People need to get this, like your, your saints are saying. You know, they need to hear this word. They need to get this deep in the spirit. It's even difficult for me, Lord, to deliver this message because it hits so close to home. But, you know, that's what this is all about. And so I'm so joyful and just absolutely overjoyed that God is using us in this area in people's lives. And thank you, Lord, that you are good and that you have our best interest in your heart, and you will bring to light those areas which we need to work on to become more like you. That's what this is all about. More of you, less of us. More of you and less of us. And the more that God shines through us, the greater is our power, the greater is our joy, 
Great is our peace, our prosperity, our health. <laughs> what a deal. Thank you, Lord. So we honor you tonight, Lord, with this word. With your permission, I'll bless your people as we go into our weekend and ponder your word, consider your word in all that we do. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face unto you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you shalom, give you peace in all your ways, peace. And I always add in Yeshem Yeshua in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And we worship you tonight, Lord, and we thank you that you're in our life, that you're in King and your angels around your people right now to guide them into this weekend in power and freedom and full of joy. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your word, your presence and all your plans and purposes. We honor you. We bow the knee. And we give you glory tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Have a great weekend. We will be here Monday morning, 7.15, Monday night, 8.30. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, man. Amen. God bless. Bye. Bless you. Thank you. Good night. Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings, blessings all around. In the country and in the town. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.